Guys, take the offering. I want you to, if you can take your Bibles, and I want you to turn into the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 and verse 17. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 and 17. It's a great scripture. It talks about a man that, who lived a very godless life. And uh, I just want to share some principles with you from the word. And I think it will be a help to all of us today to see the importance of following the Lord and living a spirit-filled life. But uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 and 17 says this. It says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Today I want to talk to you about a set of twins. Twins, Esau and Jacob. One was spiritual had a spiritual heart. The other one didn't care for the spiritual things at all. In fact, the Bible's so strong, it says, it says uh, that, that Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. And it's not that he hated the person, but he hated the nature that was in their heart. And this morning, I want to talk about a very simple question. Why should we need God? And I, I don't know about you, but when I've lived my life and as I'm living through my life, I'm realizing one thing. I need God every step of the way. I need God's hand to hold me up. I need God's power to give me strength to, to do what I need to do as a minister. And I just need God's help to be a father and a grandfather. And I realize that I need his wisdom and I need his strength. But we need the Lord. You'd be surprised if I tell you that not all godless people are bad. Sometimes in church we hear the term godless. We think of someone who's wicked and does a lot of vile things. But, but really, a person who is godly can be a great citizen, a great family member, but they're godless. They just don't want to commit their lives to God for some kind of reason. They like to consider themselves a freelance soul as an advantage of life. In fact, godless people consider themselves very practical people. Uh, they have more time for themselves because, and more time for the weekend because as far as they're concerned, church doesn't really fall in that equation of life. In fact, they have more time to, and more money to spend on themselves. And somehow people that are godless think that they have a lot of freedom because they don't have to submit to some God or some idea that God will judge them for the things they do in their life. And somehow they think, well, you know what? This is the way I believe, so I've, I'm really exempt from the will of God in my life. They're free to enjoy every pleasure in life with no conscience to bother them if they commit anything morally wrong or really don't live according to God's plan. And if being godless is an, an advantage, then why should we need to believe in God in the first place? Why should we surrender our life to a God? And why should we obey his word? Why should we be concerned about doing what God wants us to do? Why should we surrender our life to God and just obey him fully? And I want us to read our text about this man named Esau, the man who was called profane. And the Bible says, lest there be any fornicator or a profane person. Now, profane person means a person that is empty of any spiritual interest. Profane means someone who has no interest in spiritual things whatsoever. They're just bound to the earth, bound to the, to the five senses of man. 
And though Esau was called profane or godless, he, he wasn't necessarily a, a bad person. And we've heard a lot of sermons about Esau and, and in a lot of areas, some people paint him darker than really he was, but Esau was really a good guy. And like many common neighbors today, Esau was a good son, he was a good brother, he was a good citizen. However, the Bible says he was godless because he decided to live his life without God. Esau was a very self-sufficient, self-made man, and he taught himself to be independent. He was a hunter. The Bible says that, that he had a strong physical build, and he had a brave heart, and he was an outdoor woods guy. He was the kind of guy that liked to be his own self-made man. And, and, and this guy was also blessed because he had a great-grandfather who was called Abraham, the friend of God. He, his father uh, was called Isaac, and he was considered to be highly favored of God. His brother, his twin brother, the Bible says, was blessed of God. But nowhere do you see in Esau's life, nowhere do you see him ever pulling out the time in his life where he was worshiping God. Never did he ever build an altar for the Lord that satisfied God. And based on the scripture today, I want to look at several reasons why we need God in our life. And today I want you to become God conscious. I want you to think about him. I want you to move God from out there of your box and move him to the inside. And I want you to become someone obsessed about God this morning. And there are, there are four reasons why we need God in our life. Number one, we need God in our life because we need to be under his umbrella of protection. Now, the Bible says that Esau was godless, and that is a mirror of many people today. Godless simply means that they don't even have God on their radar screen. They're not even conscious of God. They, they don't even think of, of, about God, and neither do they live for God. And, and, and they're pretty content to ignore a prayer life, or, or they're pretty content of missing church all the time, and they're pretty content about never reading their Bible. It's just that it's not a part of their life. And they're not even aware of it, but it's natural for them to ignore God completely. And the Bible says that Esau was a good man, but it was natural for him to be obsessed with the physical world while pretending that the spiritual world never existed at all. Esau loved to talk about hunting, and he liked to talk about business, and he, he liked to talk about the things that pertain to his life in this world. But he became obviously quiet when the subject came up about God. That is something he didn't enjoy talking about. He didn't like talking about the scriptures, and he didn't like to talk about God's will, and he didn't like to talk about worship. Those were very awkward places for him, and he just got quiet. Godless people enjoy figuring out their own way without any divine guide. They don't want any master instructing them with, with what or where they should go in life, and they cringe at the thought of living by some Bible or some spiritual law. And, and because of that unwillingness to surrender that to the Lord, there, there is this issue of resisting God. They don't have a problem ignoring any concept, submitting to a God who expects absolute surrender. And even though they know there's a God in heaven, they, it's not that they don't believe in God. Of course they believe in God. They believe in the Bible. They believe in all of these things. But, but they've mastered the ability to keep God out on the front porch of their life and not bring them within. Godless people are not immune to trouble and hardships of life. 
And it's not long before you find out that when problems and complications come our way, that in every phase of life, we need God's divine protection. You can become so independent from God, you can lose your accessibility for God's protection from the attacks that come against you in life. One of the number one reasons why we need God is because we need God's divine protection. We need to have him watch over us and our family, and we need God to, to, to bless us. Godless people want the benefits from God, but they don't want to yield their lives to God. And when disaster and problems come, they expect God to come running to protect them, but their distance has kept God at a distance. They find out really quick that God is not this cosmic bellhop or some genie in the bottle that we only need in a moment of crisis, that we can rub the side of that jar, and all of a sudden we have this quick wish, and boom, we have all of God's protection. The Bible teaches us that what we sow spiritually, we shall reap spiritually. So there's the divine protection. We need God because we need God to help us in in this spiritual day, in spiritual darkness enveloping us, and, and it's coming against us. Oh, my friend, we need God's protection. But there are some, the godless people, that would rather use God as a good luck charm than rather to be submitted to him. They expect God to bless them, but they don't want to surrender their lives to him. They expect God to keep their families safe while living as if he doesn't even exist at all. We need God because in this world we need protection. So one of the great benefits of walking with God and knowing God is his divine protection. How many need that protection today? Would you raise your hand and say amen? Listen, if you've got young people and if you've got a family and if you're a grandparent and you have grandchildren, we need to get our families under the provision of God's protection. And we got to walk with God. And the very God that you walk with will be the very God that will bless you with that protection. And the second thing I want you to look at, and that is we need divine wisdom in a crazy world. The Bible says that Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, the guy did not have spiritual wisdom, but rather he had earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom is simply this. Just do what feels good. Do what physically meets the demand. Live within the realm of the five senses. Just satisfy the flesh, and as long as you satisfy what's going on here, then you're going to be content. The wisdom of God is the opposite. The wisdom of God is deny yourself and and subject yourself to the principles of God and submit yourself to the kingdom of God and seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will come and be added to you. Esau chose the wrong priority. And that's because spiritual things were of no interest to Esau. He was only interested in what he could what could help him get ahead or gain personal things. He thought of deny he, the thought of denying himself and seeking The wisdom of God was foreign to him. That was something preachers do. That's what something religious people do. In the Hebrew legend, it says that while Jacob and Esau were in the womb, Jacob said to Esau, he said, My brother, there are two worlds outside of this place. There is this world to live in, and then there is the world to come. And in this world, men just eat, drink, work, and marry, and bring up sons and daughters. And that's all that takes place in this world. But the next world is where the kingdom of God is developed, and that's the place where we ultimately want to go. 
And Jacob said, Esau, you take this world, I'll take the next. Esau was content to take this world because he wasn't interested in living for some other world or some eternal thing that seemed abstract to him. Esau is the type of man that governs his life by his own opinions, his own thoughts, his his own ways. He was a guy that was very content. I'm just going to figure it out myself. I hear parents many times, they'll say, well, I'm just going to leave spiritual issues up to my kids, let them decide for themselves, but rather parents need to be living the the pattern before them and teaching them, instructing them that the way they should go is to walk in in the ways of the word of God and not throw them to the wolves and especially to the dominated philosophy of this world. Instead of calling out to God for wisdom, Esau basically said, nah, I'm not interested in what God has to say. He was comfortable embracing the wisdom of the world that complemented his his self-serving lifestyle. Every decision he made in life was run through the filter of his own self-made values, and he was completely void of the wisdom of God or any scriptural truth. I like what the Bible says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you the desires and the secret petitions of your heart. Psalms 37.4. In fact, seeking God's wisdom is a priority connected with the promises of God's provision of all of our needs. He says in Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. And then I want to look at the third. The third benefit of knowing God is we need divine, a divine promise of a future home in heaven. I don't know about you, but... I realize in this life there's not much here, and I'm looking forward today to, to go to my heavenly home. This past week, Marla, man, her dad, a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's preached for me years ago at Fairwinds, and, and he preached for me several years ago when we were in the old church. And how short life is. Keith had told me that morning, he said that uh, he was having pains in his heart and they took him to the hospital and then we got another call and they said they had to do emergency heart surgery and then another call and Keith called me for the third time they said he went home to be with the Lord. I thought about my life in reflection of this man's life and the brevity of life and I, I thought to myself our life is nothing but a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. You're not going to be here very long. You're going to spend more time over there than you are here. And it's very foolish to spend your life on things that really doesn't matter. But rather invest, especially by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's a dangerous place to quench the Holy Spirit. It's a dangerous place to be in, to to block the spiritual things of God. Because by blocking God's message, by blocking God's spirit work in your life, you are rejecting an opportunity to be a part of the kingdom of God. We need the divine promise of a future home in glory. Hebrews 12, 17 says, and afterwards, or, or toward the end of Esau's life, after he spent his life on himself, he wanted the father's blessing. And the Bible says that he was rejected. At the end of Esau's life, his life fell apart. The wisdom that he thought was right for him and comfortable for him proved to be an un- unable help. And the God he rejected in this world, that God also rejected him. Now, let me share with you a principle. Now, listen carefully. Listen. I'm going to just share a warning with you. God's spirit does not always strive with man. 
You can't get saved when you want to get saved. You can only get saved when the Holy Spirit draws you to himself. It is the Spirit of God that baptizes you into the body of Christ. It is the Spirit of God that removes your scales of blindness. It is the Spirit of God that drafts you into the body of Christ. So it's a dangerous thing to sin away your day of grace. It's a dangerous thing to sit in church and turn off the message of eternity, just flip it off and go thinking about other things that are really irrelevant in life. You ought to think about your eternal destiny. You ought to think about the brevity of your life. You ought to think about your life as being a vapor. You're not going to be here very long. And the moment's going to come when your life is coming to a quick end. And just because you're young doesn't mean that you go quickly or that you'll stay a long time in this world. There's no guarantee of that. Esau, he threw away his promise of an eternal home for the sake of a a present physical need now. He traded his, his eternal inheritance for the temporary pleasure. He fed the hunger of the moment, but ignored the need of his soul. A man throws away his divine inheritance of heaven when he throws away his hope for eternity. Esau traded his promise of an eternal life for the appetite of his own independence. And in this generation, there are many, many people in our culture who have blown off the eternal existence of God and with the promises of God because they have a desire to be their own God of their own destiny. And may I say this, you might be living high on the mountain now. You might feel like you got it all together right now. But let me tell you something. Life comes crashing down. And when the foundations of your life begin to crumble underneath your feet, you got to make sure that you know your soul and your life has been built on the principles of God. And that when you leave this world, you're going directly into the presence of God and the presence of his blessings. You see, a person who believes in God but never gets to know the God they claim to believe is standing on dangerous ground. By ignoring God in this life is a sure way to lose your promise of a divine home for eternity. If you're here in church today and the Holy Spirit just got your attention, if the Holy Spirit just tried to quicken you, if the the Holy Spirit just nudged you, do not quench that spirit. Do not tell that spirit to go away. Do not push away God's call in your life. This might be your last call. How important for it is for you. He says, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice, let him open the door and let him invite him in. And so I don't really have an, an interest in that right now. Maybe when I'm older, I'll think about going down to the church and living for God, or I'll think about praying... I, You might never get there. The devil believes in God. There's a careful warning to the man or woman who hears about God, believes in God, says simple prayers, but never really makes room in their heart for him, never truly repents, but rather just does an outward form of motion just to satisfy his twinge of conscience. And one day he'll find out that the very God that he easily ignored in this life and turned off in church will one day be kept out of the kingdom of God and he'll hear those words. I don't know you. Get away from me. 
but Lord, I, I went to Crossroads Bible Church, and, and I knew Pastor Tim, and, I, I, and Lord, I even gave money in an offering when I went to church one time, and, 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 and I even helped some teens go to uh, when I, came. I I did this in your name, and I, 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 you know, I did all, the, and God says, I don't know you, because my sheep hear my voice, and if they hear my voice, they follow me. There are some people who go around and say, with their full heart of assurance, you know, I, I'm a peach tree, I'm a, I'm a peach tree, I'm a peach tree, and they're making a confession of what they are, and someone comes by and says, you're not a peach tree, because by the fruit that you have hanging from your limbs, you're an apple tree. And you can convince yourself to be anything you want to be, but let me tell you something, the acid test of really being who you claim to be, is look through the leaves of your own profession and look at what your life has really demonstrated because that is the tall tale sign of what you are. Mark eight thirty six says, For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? We need the promise of a future home in glory. And let me tell you something. I would not, would not shun God through my lifetime or keep him on the front porch of my life and then at the end try to get him in because you know what, my friend? Esau tried to do that. He went seeking repentance with tears, begging and crying God, and the door was shut. It's the story of the ten virgins. There were ten of them that all had lamps of profession. And all of a sudden, they were, five of those virgins were waiting and ready for the coming of God. The other five, though they all had their lamps of profession, well, they, there was one thing missing. They didn't have the possession of the whole oil within. And all of a sudden, they didn't even have a chance. There was a cry, the groom cometh. Christ has come. And in the last moment, there were the other five who had lamps of profession but no possession of the oil in their souls. They went running around saying, will you give me some of your oil? No, I can't do that. And they went trying to find it. And the Bible says that five of them that were ready who had the oil within their hearts went into the kingdom of God and the door was shut and the other five were left out, which is a picture of the church of Jesus Christ. All 10 says we have our lamps, 50% had the real possession and, and gave their lives to God and were filled with the Spirit and walked in the Spirit and walked in the ways of God. And the other 50%, it was just a game. But they, all, they had their lamp, but there's no oil. The divine promise that you need God is because you need Him to provide a heavenly home for you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, and where I go, I, I'll come and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then I want you to look at the fourth thing, and that is we need a divine peace and joy in life. There's something stressful of trying to live without God. There's something difficult of trying to live your life and leaving God on the outside. The Bible calls it striving against God or kicking against the pricks. Hebrews 12, 17 says, Esau knew how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected because he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. 
Here's a man totally stressed out. People who choose to live their life without God are prone to make the wrong decisions, which will ultimately lead them to a dead-end street, the consequences of their own rejection. I have found that a godly life, a godless life, brings stress, despair, and anxiety because they're trusting in themselves. A godless life creates broken families. A godless life breaks, uh, makes broken dreams and ruined lives. A godless life makes your heart empty and always looking for something else to fill this vacuum in your soul. A godless person never brings the blessing of God into their home. A, a godless person never finds that place of peace and solace. A godless life brings suffering because it's a foolish thing to strive against God, to keep God at bay, to excuse yourself from knowing him because you don't claim to be religious. Having a relationship with God has nothing to do with religion or church. It's inviting the real Christ into your heart, giving him the reins of your life, and keeping him the top priority of your life. He is either Lord or he is not Lord at all. And you may be pushing your way through life without the presence of God. And you're here today and you're listening to me and you're like, okay, I hear what he's got to say. Good point. But I got to get home. I got things to do. You might be pushing your way through life without the presence of God, but you're chasing the wind because despite of all of your human effort, you're still empty on the inside and there is no real satisfaction without God. God created a vacuum in your heart. Let me tell you something. You will never be happy until you are reunited with your creator and you walk in a relationship with him. Then life will make sense for you. We are created in the image of God and unless we become reconciled to our creator, we'll never find the true meaning of life. The wisest man in all the world put life in a test tube bottle and he studied it in the laboratory of life and he came back and he says, you know what? I checked out everything. I checked out laughter. I checked out the party scene. I checked out the drinking scene. I checked out the drug scene. I checked out agriculture. I did the wealth scene, the money scene, the clothes thing. I did it all. And he says, all of it's vanity, empty, 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 nothing there. Then he says, I come to one conclusion. The wisest man in all the world said this. There's only one way or one reason why a man can be fulfilled and happy in life, and that is to walk with his creator and to know God. Why should I need God? Because you can't manage your life alone. You need someone smarter than you. Amen? I was four amens. Hmm. You cannot manage your life alone. You need someone smarter than you. Your knowledge is inadequate. I need someone who is wiser. Our perception of life is limited. We need someone who knows the future. Our own doing makes life miserable. I need someone who can make and create the solutions. People don't commit murder, adultery, or become a thief to become godless. Many people become godless by default. Why? Because people who choose to fly solo without God are left to themselves without even a prayer. A life without God is a profane life. And for you, talking about God is a very awkward thing. Talking about the Bible, mm. Talking about prayer, it's not your bag. 
The sad fact is multitudes are flying solo without God. And when it comes to spiritual realities, they choose not to submit. Neither do they choose to relinquish their life to a God who's calling them to surrender. People love their pleasures more than they love God. That's the bottom line. At the latter end of life, after their life has been spent, they, they hope to find some kind of reservation for heaven. But they will be surprised to know that the God they kept out on the front porch of their life will be gone forever. And my friend, the worst nightmare of your life is to realize I need God and I've spent my life on myself and God shut the door of grace and there's no way in. I think the greatest nightmare is to sit in this church to hear the message of the gospel, for you to shut the door of that opportunity to receive the Lord, to shut the door and to know that the rapture could happen any moment and to know that you're left behind without any hope, but rather to be disillusioned by the lies of the Antichrist and left for a life of eternal torment in hell. God has an invitation for all of us this morning. This is what Jesus says. I know you don't, you're not interested in me. I know you're, you've not invited me into your life. He says, but I, I'm standing at the door of your heart right now. And, and if you'll hear my voice and if you'll open the door, I want you to know I'll come in and I will sup with you and converse with you, fellowship with you, if you'll open the door. Still many people ignore God. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But he has a promise to those who commit their lives to him. But as many as received him, as many as opened the door to him, as many said yes to God, to them gave he power or authority to become the sons of God. To them he put a reservation for them in heaven, even to them that believe on his name. You see, life with God's divine present is absolutely divine and a life filled with peace. I am so glad that I don't have to work my way for heaven. I'm so glad that I don't have to depend on my works to get to heaven. I'm so glad that back in 1972, down at Bob Jones University, a guy that was religious, involved in every kind of church activity, but lost as a hoot. I'm so thankful for the day the Holy Spirit convicted me and revealed to me that all I had was a life of profession, but no possession of the Holy Spirit. The greatest day in my life is where Dr. Bob Jones Jr. was preaching, do you know, do you know, do you know for sure that heaven is your home? And for the first time, it dawned on me. My dad's a preacher, and my family, there's a lot of ministers, and for the first time, it dawned on me. I could go to hell. And for the first time, it dawned on me I needed to invite Christ here. And from that time, when I said, Lord, come into my heart and into my life, God changed me completely. You've heard the warning this morning. Are you going to be like Esau? Going your own way until the end? Esau said, ah, you guys... You do your thing and I'll do my thing. But when God shuts the door of opportunity for you to run to him, it may be too late, but today is your day. You have breath in your lungs. You still have a chance to say yes to him. 
Some of you, this might, and I felt so compelled this morning. I feel compelled of the Holy Spirit. There are people sitting under the sound of my voice who I feel have their last opportunity to say yes to him. Listen carefully. Your eternal destiny depends on your decision to let him into your life. And if you turn this off now, I've done my part. Your blood is delivered off of my hands, and you have to stand before a holy God. I'm here to tell you today, say yes to Jesus. You need him. You need him because you need his divine protection in your life. You need him because you need wisdom in a world that's crazy. You need him because you need the divine promise that you have reservations of a real home for you in heaven. You need him because you need his joy, his peace, and the comfort to know that he has paid for your sins in full. Today's your day to say, yes, Lord. Yes. I invite you into my heart, into my life. I want to be God conscious. I want to move over and I want God to take center stage in my life. I'm going to start studying about the Bible. I'm going to start trying to seek out the things of God. I want God to be the center focus. I want to be God-centered. And when you make that shift, that critical shift in your life, Everything's going to change. Every head bowed and every eye is closed.